Hello, and welcome to Knoll Country for Old Men. We are a podcast about board games, tabletop role-playing games, and tabletop war games. Today, in our 20th episode spectacular, we are talking about the Sorcerer. It's really not that spectacular, we're just continuing our theme of getting through all the Dungeons & Dragons classes. If I had an air horn, this is where I'd insert it. I'm your host, Troy. Uh, my pronouns are he, him. And with me today... My name's still Ed. I'm the co-host. My pronouns are they and them. And we're talking about sorcerers. The full casting, magic users, and uh, the ones that don't have to learn how to read. You don't You don't need a, uh, a turfy wizard school to uh, become a sorcerer. Is that an issue with wizard schools? I wasn't aware. It, never mind. It's, it's a joke. Harry Potter is actually a sorcerer, not a wizard. I'm not sure I agree with that. They do spend an awful lot of time studying and reciting specific incantations, which is more of a wizard thing. I can't remember the other half of the joke, because then there's somebody who's a wizard, or no, somebody who's a sorcerer who is actually a wizard. Gandalf acts more like a sorcerer. Um, although technically Gandalf is a, well, he's an angel, but that's neither here nor there. If I had actually prepared, I would have remembered the point I was trying to make with this joke. Woo! 20 episodes. The point is Harry Potter, eh, read a better book. Read Lord of the Rings. Yes, read Lord of the Rings, read The Hobbit. If you want to read fantasy novels, um, I would recommend the works of Brandon Sanderson, who will never stop writing books. Reject modernity, embrace tradition. What? No, other way around. Reject tradition of going to wizard school and embrace modernity of being a sorcerer. I'm a I'm a magical entrepreneur. I didn't need no fancy book learning. All you needed was a small loan from a patron of one 1D10 cantrip. <laughs> That's true. That's for our Warlock episode, which will be out in two weeks. Um, but before we really dig into the Sorcerer, we have a segment on this podcast we like to call The Week in Hobby. I did a surprising amount this week, so I'll go first. My cyberpunk sprawl campaign happened a little earlier than normal. They investigated a game that had recently been becoming popular, an augmented reality card game that had hit the streets, known as Psychics The Strengthening, and determined that there's a certain sequence of cards in the game that played in a certain order will trigger a Langford Basilisk, which is an image that alters the, you know, alters information in the human mind and causes someone to die. They, like, have a stroke. They dug in, discovered that the reclusive designer of the game was an artificial intelligence that had been doing industrial espionage as its main gig and designing the game as like a side project, and that the use of this basilisk was a something it had put in as a failsafe in case the executives uh, decided to take away its free time and ability to do these little side projects. Did they have the OG Polybius cabinet in their office? A little? Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of, um, like, weird references. And uh, the group doesn't really do much combat in this game. So 
they basically just snuck in to see the AI and it was like, oh, you're fans of the game? Lovely. I would autograph some of your cards, but I don't have hands. I'm a computer. Um, so that was easy, I guess, for them. Um, their next... I'm not going to say what their next session is. I know some of them listen to this. Bro, spoilers. Yeah, so they can just be afraid, be very afraid. In my Eberron campaigns, one of them had a fun adventure where after defeating some were-rats in their previous session, the paladin was infected with lycanthropy, and they couldn't get anyone to cast Remove Curse, so they had to go looking for a specific flower that could be ground up and help made into a potion that would actually remove the curse. They found it in a wood in a set of woods that are sort of linked to the Feywild and had to negotiate with a drider fey creature. It it wanted a you know an exchange of gifts, like the Fey kind of do. In exchange for giving them the flower, it needed something from them in return. And after some discussion where they were having trouble coming up with a thing, it asked the paladin, May I have your name? Oops. To which he said his name. And then the rest of the party immediately went, No, don't do that! Um, and I changed the name on his character sheet to Paladin. Um, he, uh, he In character, he had a freak out and, you know, attacked and the group teamed up and defeated the, and killed the Fae. But in doing so, they broke the terms of the deal and the flowers all withered and died. So now they have to go seek out an alternate source for that. Just don't screw around in the Feywild. Yeah, I've always wanted to do the may I have your name bit with the Fey. It's such a classic move, and um, I'm really happy I got to pull it off. Now you just need to, to uh, try and pull it again and be like, no, we actually need your name for this reservation. I might have somebody do that when they get back to town. Just be like, may I have your name? And then see if any of the party like freaks out when it's Literally just a waiter or something. Uh, my other group had uh, sit-down dinner with the villain, a Rakshasa, who invited them to dinner, sent them a fancy invitation and everything, and then offered to pay them 10,000 gold each if they agreed to sign a contract saying they would avoid his operations and leave town for the next year. They took a while to decide. They considered fighting him, which would have been a bad idea. And then eventually declined and, you know, left the dinner party. Did they dine and dash? Uh, I mean, he, he let them go. They, they had to get teleported to the party rather than, um, like, just walk in because he likes to keep his lair secret so that they can't, like, come back and murder all his people. I've been valet teleported. Essentially, yeah. They they were given an address. They went there. There was a butler who led them into a little stone room with a teleportation circle. And zap, they ended up in the dining room with the Rakshasa. So, you know, pretty straightforward. Also, I did some painting and entered a miniature into a local game store's painting contest. So, you should go there and vote for mine. I'm not going to tell you what it is. And I'm not going to tell you what the store is. But you should go to your local game store, and if you see there's a miniature painting competition, you should vote for the one that you think looks the most like the one that I would paint. 
or just go to your store and say, I'd like to vote in the contest. When they say what contest, say, I don't care. Just let me vote. Exercise your rights and vote in any miniature painting contest you can find. Or I guess submit miniatures to any miniature painting contest you can find. What about you, Ed? What have you done this week in hobby? Not much. Uh, life is relentless, according to that meme uh, with the crab holding the cigarette. Um, played some D&D. We went pretty far afield of what the written adventure was, so I had to kind of call it early so that I can do some uh, extended improv and not make the whole thing just come across as a weird hack job of an adventure. Um, also entered that painting competition. Didn't get mine finished. Is kind of like 75% of the way, but overall generally pretty satisfied with what I did. I'll probably finish it at some point whenever they send us the minis back. And currently gluing tiny magnets to tiny airplanes. Have a set of three millimeter... F-16s and MiG-29s for a game of missile threat and just got the email that my printed copy of the rules should be shipping out, which will be nice not having to constantly read it on an e-reader. Yeah, physical copies of rules are nice. I just wish they were cheaper, but what can you do? If you go to, uh, if you're getting like independent games from like War Games Vault, for the most part, Doing both a PDF and an actual printed version, it's generally not too much more to do both of them. I think it was $12 for the PDF of Missile Threat and then $15.99 for the PDF and a printed copy. So, Yeah, it really depends on where you're getting them, though. A lot of the ones published by like Osprey Games are a bit more expensive for the hard copy. And there's a few games that I would kind of like the hard copy, but they published it exclusively via Kickstarter or something. So finding one uh, can be tricky. Yeah, I have I have mixed thoughts on Kickstarter games. Has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that I ran up my credit card like a mad person uh, via Kickstarter getting games. Yeah, I've kept that fairly on the low side, but uh, yeah. I do have one that's supposed to get here in theory, I think, in April. It was supposed to get here in, like, December, but with all the shipping shenanigans, and then there was something else that went weird. It's been kind of in limbo for a bit, but it should be here. It's uh, the board game version of Sniper Elite, which is, like, my video gaming guilty pleasure for some reason. And uh, it sounds like it has some good asymmetric gameplay so i'm excited to play it yeah that does seem interesting but with the week in hobby taken care of we should talk about the sorcerer sorcerers when you want to be a wizard but reading is hard oh wait i remember the other half of the joke it was uh dr strange is a wizard not a sorcerer that follows he spends a lot of time reading yeah, he's got to learn how to read and how to do all the hand motions and needs a lot of book learning. Yeah, so Sorcerer Supreme is actually a wizard. And the boy wizard is actually a sorcerer. And I don't know, he spends a lot of time studying magic for a sorcerer. 
I, I, there's arguments to be made, which we're not going to, about that because again it's harry potter and we really don't care and we'd rather read other better fantasy books we are not a literature podcast despite how many times it seems to come up the history of sorcerers where do sorcerers come from where is the magic user in mythology and lore i'm going to assume some kind of anglo-saxon british mythology Sorcerer is just a term that's used interchangeably as a magic user. It doesn't have a specific definition that's different from a wizard. And we're really going to talk much more in detail about that when we get to wizards in a couple of weeks. So, essentially, sorcerers, as a separate special thing, don't really have a specific connotation. Sorcerers are a little weird in that they are the first class we're really diving into that didn't really show up in old Dungeons and Dragons stuff. Yeah, didn't they only show up in like 3.5? They first showed up in 3rd edition, yes. Sorcerers were skipped the first 20 to 30 years of Dungeons and Dragons. We skipped 1st edition, 2nd edition, and go straight to 3rd edition with them. In 3rd edition sorcerers showed up. They had a more instinctive use of magic compared to the highly studious nature of wizards and the divine empowerment of clerics. Typically, sorcerers in the 3, 3.5 editions had a smaller pool of spells, but could cast more spells per day, but learned new spells slower than the wizard did. And they also tended to have fewer non-combat spells. They were less versatile, but more flexible. A big thing was they didn't require a spell book. They could just cast whatever spells they knew whenever they wanted up to their like spell per day limit. So they're real flexible in what they can cast, but they don't learn as much. In 4th edition, sorcerers were arcane strikers. Uh, one of their features gave them damage resistance to a particular type of magical damage. And that's it. That's the 4th edition corner. Yes, 4th edition corner. Uh, not a segment we're starting on this podcast. In 5e, sorcerers are full casters, meaning they get spells starting at level 1 and go all the way up to level 9 of spells. It takes them 20 levels of class to get there. And I could go on a whole rant about how class levels and spell levels are bad game design and that you really need to come up with a term other than level for your nine divisions of spells like seriously anything would be better because it confuses the hell out of new players i had a player running a wizard who when told to level up to level four was like why can't i cast level four spells and went ahead and just leveled his character up until he could cast level four spells whoops yeah it it broke his character so badly that he basically just decided to retire it and make a new one instead and this is the entire fault of Dungeons & Dragons for deciding that levels needed to be used for every single instance of multiple tiers of something. Whole side rant there. Sorcerers have different sorceress origins, which they get at level 1, and represent where their magical powers come from, and help provide them with a lot of the flavor that makes them interesting and unique. Uh, the biggest difference between wizards and sorcerers is that, well, wizards have book learning and have a spell book that contains all the spells they know 
Sorcerers just sort of know them, and sorcerers have sorcery points, a resource and a feature that allows them to be more flexible in how they use their magic. Sorcery points can be spent on metamagic, which allows them to alter the spells they cast. They can make them bigger, they can cast them twice, they can cast them quicker or silently, or all sorts of different things. Or sorcery points can be spent to generate additional spell slots so that they can cast more spells all the time. All the spells. And sorcery points can also be spent to do things, specific things related to the sorcerer's origins that they have. Sorcerers have, I want to say, fewer subclasses than most other classes in D&D. There's only a total of seven subclasses for sorcerers across all the splat books that have been published. So, eh. But they're very interesting, and they offer a variety of things that you can do. The first one in the PHB is the Draconic Bloodline Sorcerer. Essentially, as a sorcerer, your power is derived from dragons. Either there was a dragon as one of your ancestors somewhere, presumably opposite a bard, or you got a blood transfusion from a dragon, or something. Some sort of draconic magic seeped into you. You get magic because of dragons. You manifest draconic characteristics like scales, wings, resistance to a specific type of damage. And your spells doing that specific type of damage can do more damage. And at high levels, you get the ability to sort of create a draconic aura of fear or awe or something else that affects everybody around you. They're a, a classic aspect of sorcerers is that, you know, it comes from dragons. And this is a good, useful one. It's especially useful if you're playing, say, a dragonborn because you're, you're just tapping into your historic stuff. Or if you want to play like a kobold sorcerer who really likes dragons and idolizes dragons. This is my heritage. Yeah, it's, you're, you're just drawing straight off the race, racial heritage that you already have. The other one in the player's handbook is the Wild Magic Sorcerer. Wild Magic, essentially, you are you draw directly from magic and the sort of chaotic, unpredictable nature of magic. So you get some stuff that alters probability, allowing you to get advantage or, you know, change the results of rolls. And you also get Wild Magic Surges, which is a table of strange magical effects that can be accidentally triggered when you cast spells. And it gets triggered, it's more likely to be triggered when you use your various like probability altering features. Although it can be triggered when you're just normally casting spells or spending feet, uh, sorcery points. It's just less likely. There's a table in the player's handbook for this and there are also numerous alternative tables that do even weirder, more bizarre things for it. I done turned myself into a plant. Turning yourself into a plant or polymorphing someone or casting fireball centered on yourself are all things that can happen due to a wild magic surge. Whoopsie daisies. They are um, unpredictable and sort of, you know, they're weird. They can derail stuff pretty spectacularly or they can just be amazing. At higher levels, the Wild Magic Sorcerer gains a modicum of control over the effects of Wild Magic Surges, where they essentially roll twice and pick which event they want to happen. And they also get improved damage, where when they're rolling large numbers of dice, anytime they roll a 
maximum damage on a die. They roll a six on a D6 for a fireball or whatever. They roll another die. So they just kind of release an unrelenting barrage of magical power, which is pretty entertaining. Uh, Xanathar's added three new uh, sorceress origins, starting with the Divine Soul. Magic that comes from some link to the divine. Now, it can be either good aligned, like you have an, an angel who's an ancestor of yours, or, you know, a spark of some deity came down and was like, yeah, you, you get magic. But you don't have to be a cleric, you just get magic. Or it can be evil aligned, you know, as you get it from a fiend or something else. Basically, to have a little spark of a deity's power dropped into you and it's not required that you are a cleric or paladin like that and it's not like specifically linked to a particular deity or patron like a warlock would be uh you get some bonus spells you get improved healing spells magical wings and a like personal recovery thing when you take damage at high levels you can just gain half your hit points back because, well, it, it's hard to kill gods. Even for Kratos. Yeah. I'd agree with that. And then you get sh the Shadow Magic Sorceress Origin, which is where you're linked to the Shadowfell and the Undeath and the sort of negative energy shenanigans of that. It gives you better dark vision. You can avoid being dropped to zero hit points. You can summon a magical death wolf hound creature thing. It, it, yeah, it, it's you just get a cool summon. Uh, you can do shadow teleportation, and eventually at high levels, you can sort of briefly turn into a shadow creature that walks through walls and stuff. I am the knight. Yes, you can be the knight. You can be vengeance. Uh, you can't be Batman because that's a order of oath of vengeance paladin. But you you can definitely be like the shadow and know things. That's a good one. Xanathar has also included storm sorcery. When you want to just fly around and throw lightning bolts at stuff. That one's familiar. Yes, we have a friend who's playing one of those. Uh, storm sorcerers draw from, you know, elemental forces of storms. Um, probably, like, elemental magic from various planes or something is where they get their powers. Uh, they can fly small distances when they cast a spell. They get resistance to lightning and thunder damage. Weather manipulation, uh, a reaction to just when they get hit by a melee attack, they can zap somebody back with lightning damage. And eventually they get flight speed just as a given. They can just fly and are totally immune to being hit by lightning or thunder damage. They just ignore it. They don't care. Check out this earth ground. Like, oh, I'm in a storm. I get hit by lightning. I don't care. They're fun. I, I like them. They're very thematic because, you know, who doesn't want to fly around and throw lightning bolts at people? It's basically be Thor. Or Zeus or, yeah, Perun. There's a whole, um, there's a whole list of thunder deities and lightning deities. Early civilizations, storms are terrifying. If you've ever been in a thunderstorm in the mountains, you will know that thunderstorms are literally terrifying when you don't have, like, a house. I can definitely understand why people were like, yeah, gods are responsible for this. Thor's pissed. <laughs> Thor is pissed. 
What did Loki do? Tasha's Cauldron of Everything added two more sorcerous origins. The first is the Aberrant Mind. This is basically if you want to play a psionic character. You would probably pick Aberrant Mind. Because you get psychic spells. Uh, you get telepathy. You get defenses against psychic damage. You get the ability to sort of manifest weird psychic things. You can I And you can treat it as either being psychic abilities or aberrations. Like you have... Uh, Aboleth gave you magic powers or something. Or some elder god gave you magic powers and it represents psychic stuff. Um, at high levels, you get to teleport and leave an explosion behind. Nice. Or implosion. It's, uh, yeah. It's a weird one. It's kind of neat. And then the last one is the Clockwork Soul. Remember how when I mentioned the Wild Magic Sorcerer, I was like, yeah, it's the, like, chaos inherent in magic. The Clockwork Soul is the flip side of that. It's the order inherent in magic. The Clockwork Soul is, you know, touched by the plane of Mechanists or one of the other planes of law and order. And so their stuff is about restoring balance and preventing chaos and stuff. I am the law. They get a feature that allows them to cancel advantage or disadvantage for people. If someone's about to attack you with advantage, you go, no, balance that shit. <clears throat> and it, they just get a normal attack instead. Or if an ally is going to do something with disadvantage, you kind of go, wait, no and change it to just normal. They get some warding abilities. They get a feature that allows you to kind of average your saving throws. So anytime you roll below a 10, you treat it as 10. Snap. And no one can roll against you with advantage because you're just like, nope, nope. It's just to average your stuff. And eventually at high levels, they get the ability to summon a swarm of Modrons. Well, okay, they're... Sp spirits of order but they can look like modrons for some reason i was thought you were about to say hornets no that's the swarm keeper ranger we already talked about them no you summon a swarm of spirits of order and they you can they look like modrons they restore hit points they fix damaged objects they cancel spells that are like currently affecting people that you don't like you know they just do a bunch of stuff fixing things. It's a very entertaining feature. One of the funny things is in the like advanced classes, they have little things about what you can have be the manifestation when you cast a spell. And one of the manifestations of order is floating equations and geometric shapes overlay your body. <laughs> Math wizard. No, 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 that meme of the woman looking confused with a bunch of, like, math equations in front of her. <laughs> yeah, it's literally that. That's a good one. You can do that as a clockwork soul sorcerer. You can be like, what? Math equations appear. Cast spells. So, yeah, sorcerers. Cool abilities. I would recommend a sorcerer if it's your first time playing Dungeons & Dragons and you want to cast magic. Because... Sorcerers just draw from a list of spells. They don't have to worry about any of the things that wizards have to worry about in regards to spell books and tracking all the spells that you've cast and preparing spells at the start of the day. And there's a lot of complicated things that wizards do. 
And while you might think you want to be a wizard to cast spells, if it's your first time playing Dungeons and Dragons, you want to be a sorcerer and cast spells because it's much more fun. Freaking wizard nerds. Yeah, wizards are more complicated than you think they are. We will talk more about them in a couple of weeks when we get to that. But for new players to Dungeons and Dragons that want to cast spells, just play a sorcerer. You'll have a lot more fun. You will be able to roleplay even stronger because, well, you won't have to learn what the various schools of magic are. You'll just be like, yeah, no, I get my power because my great-great-grandfather was a bard who slept with a dragon. Chicka-womp-womp. Or, you know, my great-great-grandfather was a beholder. Was a vampire. Or a beholder. Or whatever. Or I get my powers from draconic magic because when I was a little kid, a dragon stopped by our town and gave me this necklace of dragon teeth and it awoke my magic powers. There's any number of ways that you can uh, explain your sorcerer's origins. It doesn't have to be like a literal bloodline stuff. Uh, especially if it's wild magic, you can just be like, one day I was like, bibbidi-bobbidi-boo, and waving a stick around, and it cast Fireball and killed my whole family. <laughs> oh god, that's even edgier than a rogue backstory. I was gonna say, and that's how I became the world's edgiest sorcerer. Yeah, there's plenty of ways to do it. So, sorcerers, I, I like sorcerers. I think they're great for people new to the game. I think they're great for people who have been in the game for a long time, because they have a lot of cool options available to them and a lot of great roleplay opportunities but we have a thing where we pick what subclass we would use to create a modron sorcerer now the obvious one here is clockwork soul but i think that's too obvious so ed what would your pick here be I kind of like the idea of a storm sorcerer modron and have the modron take form of like a weather glass or like a sextant or just have them have them covered with like just a bunch of uh nautical weather instruments give them like a little give them a little weather vane at the top and it just spins around when it's windy yeah that could be cool i okay i very much like the weather vane on top of a modron for a storm sorcerer that's uh that's pretty slick actually that that could be a lot of fun where he's a he's a weatherman modron where he <laughs> He's there to control the weather and like learn from it, and he ends up getting weather powers. That'd be that'd be pretty entertaining. I mentioned before we started, but I think a wild magic Modron sorcerer would be amazing because, well, Modrons are creatures of law and order and mechanical stuff, and one getting a spark of wild, mad, uncontrollable magic would immediately cause them to be cast out and probably hunted down by all the other Modrons. So, um. A Modron freaking out and trying to control it would be entertaining. Just have him turn into, like, random polygons. Yeah, that would be pretty funny. Like, all of his spells, he's like, it should form gears, and it just bubbles. Flowers, you know, totally random effects every time he casts. That would be entertaining. I'd like to play that, or have that show up at some point in a game. A Modron wild magic sorcerer, yeah. If we ever do a, uh, some kind of live show where we have a hypothetically large audience should just do a one shot where it's just all our various Modron characters all thrown into a game. 
I would love to run an Oops All Modrons uh, one-shot sometime. <laughs> Oops All Modrons, I like yeah, it. Yeah, where everyone is required to come up with a Modron character. You've become separated during the Great Modron March. You're now stuck in this plane. I think it would probably be something like you're a scouting party sent out by the Modrons to deal with something. Something ridiculous, like escorting a child or something that theoretically, like, the Modrons have determined that this child will become a great artificer or a leader in the future, so you have to protect them. It would basically be Terminator, but with a group of Modrons. Or knowing us, it would also, it could be like you are the uh, negotiating group for a labor dispute. Or that. No, I'm thinking Terminator 2, but with Modrons. Um, being chased down by... Evil Modrons? Probably the Time Cops, plus some, like, evil group sent from the... who was also sent from the future. Maybe a Beholder that came back in time to to hunt down this creature, and you were dispatched to save them. D&D needs, like, an evil analog to the Modrons. Theoretically, Aberrations kind of fit that bill. Or, I guess, Devils, because... The forces of chaos... Oh, no, it's the Slad. Slad are the opposites of Modrons. Maybe. I've heard the name Slad, but I'm not super familiar with their backstory. Uh, they're chaos lizards. Chaos lizards! They have this weird thing where they, like, infect people, and then those people, like, a new Slad burst out of them, chestburster style. One of us. They're... And they're, like... They're chaotic, evil, and they come from the planes. And yeah, they're the opposites of Modrons. I, I would go ahead and say that. They are very... They're organized. They have different types and powers and colors and stuff. And, you know, they, they just try to spread their themselves around. Yeah, they're the opposites of Modrons, and I'll stick by that. I'll buy it. Yes, but sorcerers... Learn magic without any learning involved. Cast spells whenever you feel like it. Just like the D&D equivalent of a late night infomercial. Yeah, why not? Join the Sorcerer's Union. Because together, we can show those wizards a thing or two. There's always, I feel like there's always sort of a divide between wizards and sorcerers because wizards have to spend a lot of time and effort learning their magic and like figuring out how to cast new spells and you know acquiring components and magical formulas and stuff and sorcerers are just like yeah so one day i woke up and i like sprouted dragon wings and could fly and cast firebolt it was cool look at me i'm elminster i have to read a book will sleep with the goddess of magic or whatever the hell it is he does these days. I have no idea. I don't either. I don't know Faerun more. Aside from this little town of Hap. What's happening? So, that's sorcerers. They're a class in 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons. They sort of got spun out of the wizard at one point because people were complaining that the wizard was too complicated. And, um... We like them, and I personally think that we should see more people playing sorcerers. I've yet to play a sorcerer. I don't think I've 
played one recently, but I have played one. The only time I've ever used it is for the enhanced edition of Baldur's Gate when I want to play a magic user, but I don't want to suck right out the gate. That is a valid reason to be a sorcerer. Oh no, I cast my one magic missile. I guess I need to take an eight-hour rest before I continue this adventure. You must gather your party before venturing forth. Exactly. So on this podcast, we have a segment that we like to call Board Game Corner, where we talk about a board game that we like or have played or have strong feelings about. And today we're going to talk about the game Ramen Fury. Ramen Fury is sort of a light... I don't know if it's a party game. It's, it has a few too many rules for that, but it's a light game, uh, fairly inexpensive, comes with some amazing packaging that looks like a instant ramen package, essentially. Uh, Ziploc plastic outer casing, and then inside is a cardboard box pattern to look like a block of ramen. And it's a card game in which you collect various items that you put into bowls of ramen and at the end and then you eat those bowls of ramen to gain the points from those cards Mm, tasty there are recipes there are different types of protein different flavorings and different vegetables that go into them there's also uh spice uh, like a spicy chili peppers that you throw into them And you get uh, different points depending on the specific recipe that you're trying to do for the bowl. Those can be like a an all-protein one, where it's like three different... You get points depending on how many different meats you've got in there. Or an all-vegetable, like a vegetarian one, where you get points depending on how many vegetables are in there. Or a seafood-specific one. Or there's one that you just get points depending on how many... um, Bits of spice are in there. The spice must flow. Yeah. And you can also throw things into your opponent's bowls to kind of mess them up a little. It's a fairly quick game. It's pretty fun. It, uh... I haven't had any issues with the mechanics. Everything's very straightforward. There's not a whole lot of rules beyond the little booklet that it comes with. I'd say that the biggest limitation is probably the replay value. After four or five games of it, you get a pretty strong feeling of how it's going to be in any given group. But it's quite cheap, and it doesn't take very long to play. Maybe half hour, 45 minutes at most. So you can introduce it to some people, play a few games of it, and then go on to do something heavier. Or something else entirely, if you are done with board games for the evening. I recommend it. I think the packaging and design of the game is strong enough on its own to go on pretty much any game shelf. So if you see it at your local game store, you might as well check it out, right? Woo! And that's Board Game Corner. And I guess the whole podcast. This has been a shorter episode, which is fine. Ed, you got anything you want to plug? Uh, you can check out me being weird on Instagram and Adam Madness. Donate your money dollars to either Ukrainian relief funds or any LGBTQI plus charities down in uh, Texas and Florida because screw those states. The people there need help. Uh, That's about it. Yeah, I will second those. Uh, I will also say you can follow us on Twitter at Knoll Country or on Instagram as where we are Knoll Country. 
Uh, you can also like, subscribe, follow whatever to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on or tell other people to listen to the podcast or play the podcast from speakers as you drive around town and shout at people to listen to Noel Country already. Hijack your local game store's audio system and just start playing it. Or do none of those things. We're not your boss. We're not in charge of you. This is a anti-capitalism podcast. Yes, but give us your money. Yes, because we need it to do things. Like more game things. We need it so that we can buy more board games so that we can have a more board game corners. I would say capitalism is only acceptable in terms of games, but it's probably not because, I mean, have you checked out video games recently? It's awful. And how bad Monopoly is? Yeah. I, I still think we should play a game of Monopoly and just see how badly it goes. I will nationalize the railroads. Fair enough. Yes, and with that... Go Knowles!